All right. Well, good afternoon, friends. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to go 1 through 4 for this thing. Now, just because I'm curious, how many of you um, kind of have your own little method right now of how you spend time in the Word? Do you have, you have a regular time alone with the Lord in the Bible? How many do that on a pretty regular basis? I'm not going to ask you how many days a week. Just you do it on a regular basis. Good. How many of you are like, this is going to be kind of new, and I'm not sure where to start. I don't really read it very much, but you want to get, oh, I love it. Good. I'm so glad. So there's kind of all over the place, and I'm glad to see that. Hey, let's pray. Um, and remember, this is a way. It's not the way. So if all of a sudden, like you're sitting there going, gosh, there's, there's a few more steps to this than I was hoping. I, I like the soap method better this morning. Great. I don't, just so you're in the word. I, don't, I could care less what the method is. I just want to share this because this is what I learned when I was 19. And so 30 years ago, still remember it, still remember the acronym, never forgot it. Uh, and I used this for the longest time until I kind of changed a few things up to kind of fit more what I do. Um, but I'm hoping that it's a blessing to you. Um, so let's pray. Jesus, we give you thanks for today and this afternoon and a time to look in your word, yes, but also a time to figure out how to read your word. God, for those who have a way, they do this on a regular basis, I pray that this could be helpful. Um, either they could add things to what they do or they just say, no, it's better to do what I do. And that's great, God, so long as they're hearing you and you're speaking to them from the pages of your scriptures. And God, for those who are jumping in, they don't really do, they've never really done this. God, I pray that this is what introduces them to, to being able to hear you, to be able to walk according to what you say, to enjoy you, not just something to check the box on in, with regards to being a Christian, but to begin this love uh, of you that's greater than they could ever imagine and loving time with you in your word. God, I pray you'd build that up in all of us, whether or not we've been in it for years or not at all continue to build up in us more and more of love for you and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. All right, if you have a piece of paper and a pen, you're going to want that. Um, if you don't, yeah, you're going to wish you had that. No, I think, I, think, I, think it'll, I think we'll repeat it enough that you'll get it. I think you'll remember it. So on the left side of your page, just write down these letters. Um, it's a little acronym. Uh, prom was... P-R-O-M-W-A-S, prom was, you're like, Brian, that's not a word. I know it's not a word, but you'll always remember it, because prom was, for some of you, prom was awesome, and for others of you, prom was stupid. Like, I don't know what it was like for you, but I've never forgotten it. So prom was, and so each of those things are, uh, each of those letters represent the step, okay? So the first one, P, uh, you want to take a guess? There it is, you nailed it, good Christians, that was a good Sunday school answer. Pray. And when you pray, it's not like, I mean, you can go as long as you want to when you pray. But then I also saw this, it was in my time alone with the Lord this morning, in Ecclesiastes 5, where the writer of Ecclesiastes says, hey, when you go to the house of the Lord, go there to listen. Let your words be few. Go there to listen. Think about it. Part of prayer is to just stop and listen. What if God wants to speak something very specific and personal to you? So don't think that you have to be in a hurry. Or do you ever feel the pressure that in your prayer life you have to keep talking and keep talking so that God, means, God knows you really mean it? So it's like, God, would you please do this? Please, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. And you can't think of what else to say, so you just keep saying his name and please over and over and over, all the while forgetting that he actually cares about you. You can actually say it and be just in conversation with him. So it could be as simple as God would you reveal more of yourself and more of your truth that I could love you more? And it could be as simple as that. 
It's, you don't have to try to impress him with all the Asian words that you know that come from the scriptures, like justification, sanctification, purification. You don't even have to remind him of all of his names. He knows who he is. And what if you, all of a sudden you don't say, dear God or dear Jesus? What if you just start talking? I'm pretty sure he knows that you're talking to him. All I ask is that you just talk to him. And what is it you're wanting out of this time in the word? So usually every morning I just get real quiet and it just starts to say something like, God, I just want to know you more. Would you reveal more so I could love you more? It's just something simple. And it's not, it's, not like a, it's not a formula. It's just my heart that I want to know him better so that I could love him more and not just know more information about him. So P is, again, what? Then R, read. There it is. Some say, I don't like to read. Well, it kind of depends on what you're reading, right? So all of us are okay reading a menu. Um, for those who say, I don't, like to, I don't find a lot of enjoyment in reading. Like if you, if you sat down, like, I'm not going to sit down and read a book. Okay, but this is going to be different. Why? Because God gave us this that we could know him better. Some would say, well, can I just listen to it? Well, sure you can. But I also think there's something to it when you get into the pages and you read the book. Think about it. If we really recognize the value of the one who wrote it, then for him to say, I'd like for you to spend time with me in the word and read it, it seems like a small sacrifice to give to him so that we could know him better. So you read, but what do you read how much should you read? Where do you start? Which translation is the right one? This is where all of a sudden we Christians want to fight about mine's the best. It's... But here's the thing. All I ask is that's a translation that's been put together by scholars, a group of them. Some might say, oh, I really like the message. I think the message is great. I think Eugene Peterson was brilliant, but it's one guy. And so I kind of use it like a commentary, but I don't use it as the Bible. I want a group of people, men and women, who've looked at that, and they're scholars, they're brilliant, they know the languages, they know the context, historical backgrounds, all these things, and they put it together. So, why don't you tell me, so everyone can listen to what translation you use and can judge you. Okay, anybody want to say, this is, I'm just joking about the judging, don't do that. Just start, start just raise your hand and start naming. Yeah, what? Christian Standard Bible. I just recently got into that one and love it. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Uh, yep. ESV? That's the one that I'm preaching from. That's the one I use currently, yep. New, New King James, all right. Who else back there? NASB, all right, absolutely. Say it, New International, NIV. Yep, in the back. NLT, okay. ESV, awesome, okay. Anybody still, anybody still hanging on to that King James? Yep, you got it. BLT on a pretzel bun. Well, that's a different one. Man will not live by bread alone. I'm just joking. <laughs> Dang, bang, a little Jesus juke there. Yeah. Uh, ones that I, well, I don't about not recommend. The ones I like are the ones that are more word-for-word -word translations rather than thought-for-thought -thought translations. Um, so I feel like ESV is readable. Um, so I feel like ESV is the result of NASB and NIV got married and had a kid that named it ESV. That's what I kind of see it as. I think Christian Standard Bible is solid. New Living Translation leans more on the thought-for-thought -thought translation. So I would lean more toward, if you want to get into deeper Bible study, I would say ESV and ASB has always been one. New King James has always been one. I think Christian Standard Bible is phenomenal. Yep. The passion. Again, I, I, don't, I don't know much about the passion. I want, I, but I, I, still, I still trust when scholars go into it that are looking for more of a word-for-word -word translation than, I don't know anything about it. I've never read it, so I can't really speak into it. Cool? 
So find a translation that you understand. For those that do just sport the King James, enjoy it. Like if you're sitting there going, every time I read, I feel like Shakespeare. Enjoy it. So long as you actually understand it. If that's, I mean, that's the goal. So if you're sitting there going, I only do that one, you got to think, why do you only do that one? I mean, in the newer translations, you would say, well, some of the verses in the King James aren't the same as in the, old, in the newer translations. That's because in the newer translations, they're actually finding more evidence, more, more writings, more manuscripts that are saying, hey, this wasn't in the, or the, the earliest of manuscripts. So it's not like a fight. Just make sure that the goal is that you actually understand what it is that you're reading. So what, what should you read? How much should you read? Guys, here's what the Bible says. You should read like 50 chapters. No, I'm just joking. It doesn't, tell, it doesn't say how much. I can't even joke that much. Guys, this is what I did first. For those especially that are just starting out, I'm going to ask that you start a book and finish the book. So this, I don't know. Do you ever do this to try to find the will of the Lord? Um, let, me, let me mark my spot and say, God, would you please speak? Bam! Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? God, that really gives me an answer as to where I should go to college. Thank you, God. I just want to thank. Like, for some reason, it's like, oh, I don't really have to put the effort into it. God will just direct that. Now, I'm not saying that he would never, but friends, if that's how you actually read the Bible, you're not understanding the message of the Bible. Example, so when you send a text message or some type of message or you write a note, do you guys still write notes on paper with a pencil? I don't know if you do, but if you do, you're not expecting the person's going to read the middle of it and not the beginning part of it. You're expecting they're going to start from the beginning and go to the very, very end of it. Especially for when you read it, especially if it's from that certain someone, you're going to read that thing and reread that thing and you're going to read into that thing, but you're going to know that note or that message from beginning to end. But friends, if all that we ever do is we just kind of get a verse here and a verse there, hey, I got, I, I'm, Brian, I read the Bible every day. I get an email with a verse of the day. Those are great reminders. But you ever notice the verse of the day is never telling you how bad you are? It's just always saying how great you are and how everything turns out great. If you ever read Ezekiel, you realize that God gets ticked. Like he gets angry. The people of Israel rebel. And we can sit there and go, those dang Israelites. We're really not that different, friends. We have the same sin nature that they did. And so I, I, all I ask is that you pick a book, finish the book. If you're just starting out, don't start Genesis and go page by page through the whole thing. Because there's a whole lot of stuff in there that's just going to be like over your head. And honest, let's be honest, boring. Like you just don't get it. So like, think about like Leviticus. It's like, what the heck? There's some interesting books, of course. Like if you're... I'm not going to say it. Oh, yeah, like if you, when you, for those that are artistic and you're good with poetry, man, have a blast with the Psalms. Go for it. Um, Song of Solomon is awkward at times. There's all that Proverbs has some awkward things, but then Proverbs has some sweet wisdom. But I would say if you've never done it, start with a narrative. So here's what I tell people to start with. And I know the second one's not a narrative, but it's pretty straightforward and it's pretty short. The first one I say, once you start the book of Mark and get to know Jesus, from, from, and start chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 16. You're going to go slowly, but start the book, finish the book. Does that make sense? If you don't, do, if you don't do Mark, um, then try Philippians. I figure, I figure a letter that was written by a guy who was under arrest while he's writing it, and it's known as the letter of joy, he might have some great things to talk about. And so I would say just go start chapter 1 all the way through chapter 4. Not in one sitting, but start and then finish. Does that make sense? Because here's the goal. 
You don't want to become a person who takes the Bible, and here's, okay, I just need topical verses that back up my idea. Guys, I think one of the worst questions that comes out of Bible studies often is, hey, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? Can, you? can anyone tell me why that's a really bad question when you're studying the Bible? What does it mean to you? What's your, yeah, what's your name real quick? Josh, tell me, tell me why that's a dangerous place. Right. So the goal is to find the truth. So instead of asking the question, hey, what does this mean to you? We're supposed to, answer, we're supposed to find out the answer to the question, what does this mean? Like, what's the truth that the scriptures are teaching? Application is some, something different. We'll get to that. But what, is the, what does the passage mean? Does it make sense? So I'm trying to find the truth of what's being taught from the passage. So you start the book, you finish the book, make sure you have a translation. I would even say this, find a regular place. If you've never done this, find a regular place that you'll spend your time with Jesus. So if you suddenly go, I have a favorite chair, I'd rather be outside, I'll go to a library, I'll hang out in Starbucks, put my earbuds in, whatever. But find a regular place and a regular time, if you can. Does it make sense? Just until you kind of get the habit into you. Um, and then, well, when you read, like I said from the beginning, um, how much? Well, if you look at chapter 8, if you have your Bibles open, do you see the subheading above verse 1? Okay, no? Yes? The next subheading is how many verses after? How many verses are in that first subheading? Four. So if you've never done this, this is what I want to do. Go subheading to subheading. That's it. Get the habit going, okay? For those who sit and go, okay, I've been doing this for a while. Brian, I want to go like a chapter a day. Great, I don't care. I, I, my, my goal, just my own personal thing, I, like, I want to go through the Bible every year. That's my thing. So it's anywhere from like, if I, if I do it every day, three chapters or so, give or take. Uh, there you go. And then, and then Caleb, Caleb does it through, through the Bible in a year. That's awesome too. But, it, or it's five, five or six chapters if I only do Monday through Friday. But it's just something that I like to do to give an overview of the scriptures. But if I want to go deeper, then I will pick subheading to subheading so I can dive into the passage. Now, I know that we're starting in chapter 8, verse 1. Just pretend that you started in chapter 1, verse 1. We've made it to this, ploy, this place together. Cool? So here's what I need. I need someone who is willing to read very loud, out loud, for everyone to hear and to judge your reading skills. Ready? Who's, who's willing to say, I'll read the whole thing. Go for it. Real loud so everyone can hear. All right, perfect. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. Say, and I don't know, what translation was that? No. And I'll take okay, a, lot of, a lot of words in that. That was a little longer. But most people, like, I appreciate you reading that loud. I'm guessing you read a little quicker. So I'm, I'm using this. Even if I speak that slowly, it took 30 seconds. So when people go, ah, I don't have time. Really? You don't have 30 seconds in your day? Like, maybe you're, maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just, uh, you got to find out some time management skills. Because if you can't find 30 seconds in the day to read a passage, uh, you're kind of spreading yourself a little too thin. So when you said, I go, I don't have the time, guys, you always make time for that which is most important to you every single day. Every single day, you will make time for that which is most important. You will be willing to sacrifice for whatever's the most important thing to you. So if all you do is read it, if that's where you start, great, just start with that, but to read the passage, okay? So you read it, just wherever the subheading starts, the next subheading, subheading end right before that, wherever that verse is before, that's to read it. No writing, just, just to read through the passage one time. Okay, so P is R, then O is observe. Good, so you observe the passage. How many of you 
are like me. You cannot remember anything unless you're writing on it. Guys, I cannot remember a thing unless I'm writing. I mean, my Bible, sometimes it looks, looks like tic-tac-toe in a coloring book because I'm just going. I mean, I'm writing circles. I'm drawing lines. I'm putting words in the margins. I'm taking, I'm looking up the words, what they mean. I'm writing the definition in the side because if I don't do that, if I just simply read, like out, even when I'm at lunch, I have a book that I'm reading. A pen is in my hand. Guys, I'll pull a pen if I'm reading a newspaper article, if I'm reading a magazine because I cannot remember it unless I'm writing. So for those that understand, that that's that's you guys there's nothing wrong with writing in this and some people go oh you're not showing respect to the word i am showing respect to the word because i want the word in me i think god is more interested it's not his face it's his word you can draw all over it you're not drawn in his face he's fine with it but you observe but you're not going to come to this place and go i've observed it and therefore this is what it means no you observe here's what you observe who what where when words that are repeated phrases ordering of events where they are those are the things that we're going to go back through together does it make sense but you're going to be the ones to tell me what stands out to you, the observations that you make. Everyone's going to sit there. You can write these things down. If you have your Bibles, underline, put boxes around it, whatever. But we're going to do this together uh, as a group. Cool? So I'm going to read verse 1, and then you're just going to say, hey, this is, what, this is what stands out to me. Here's an observation that I'm making. Again, this is not, this is what it means. We're not there yet. We're not in interpretation yet. We're just saying, yeah. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Okay, ready? Here we go. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Observe it. What are the things that stand out to you? Anybody? Yeah. Great crowds. So now all of a sudden, and here's the thing. Let's put, let's put these two together. O is observe. M is to meditate. And when I say meditate, it's not like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying think through, like ask questions. So when you say a great crowd, a question I might ask is, how many were there? And it doesn't say, so I'm like, probably more than three. So I'm just going to go with that. Cool? So a great crowd. Adam? Yeah. What mountain were they on? Okay. Now you sit there and go, well, it doesn't say in these verses. I know. But if you go with one through eight, chapters one through eight, it might say it. So a lot of these questions that you have will come through. The why is he coming down the mountain is connected to the fact he just finished the most amazing, prolific famous sermon in the history of preaching, and everyone's glued to it, chapters 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount. So that's why he's, he goes up the mountain. You'll see it in chapter 5, and then all of a sudden in chapter 8, he's coming down the mountain, okay? Awesome. Anything else? What, what else are you observing? Who's he? Yeah, good Sunday school answer. Well done. Anything else stand out? Yeah. Crowd followed him, right? That's a big thing. So it's not like he just walked by and they just, oh, like they go after him. I think that's a great job, man. Anything else? Good job so far. Okay, let me go to verse two. I don't wear glasses now. The print in my, or the font in my Bible shrink. Uh, verse two, only, old, only the old people get that one. Thank you. Okay, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Observe it. Yeah. Okay, so there's, there's a leper, right? And I think that's important. He's kneeling. Where is he kneeling in proximity to Jesus? Look at it again. Does that what it says? Look at verse 2. Came to him, right? Knelt before him. 
So I, the way I see that, if I kneel before someone, maybe, maybe he's in the very back, but then it's really had to, hard to have that conversation where he's actually speaking to him. So he kneels in front of him. Now here's the thing about, what do we know about lepers? Not leopards, it's not like Narnia, but lepers. Yeah, what do we know about lepers? Yeah, so if you touch them, you're unclean. It's a skin disease. I mean, just kind of picture your body starting to eat itself away, like your, like your ears start eating away just on their own. Your nose starts eating away. The, the digits, your fingers start. It's just kind of nasty. It's painful. I think I saw a hand in the back. Anybody said no? no? Okay, what? Oh, you're talking about the lepers? Yeah, don't be around them. Don't touch them. They live in a colony by themselves. Guys, do you know that, uh, I, was, I read this somewhere years ago, that if a person with leprosy walks into a town or walks into a city and they see people coming, or even on the road, they just see people coming toward them, they have to cover their mouth and point and scream out unclean so that people can get out of the way. I mean, think about it. Now, that's, I'm going to jump to something for just a second. Can you imagine however long this guy's had it? I'm going to start asking questions. How long did he have, the, have, the, have leprosy? It doesn't say. What did it feel like for however long it was to not have anyone ever want to touch you? No high fives, no knuckle bumps, no safe Christian hugs. Whatever we do, nothing. Guys, how would I feel? I start writing these questions down. Anything else from verse 2 stand out to you? Man, this pops out. Yep. Right. Read your translation real quick because I don't know where that would be. Okay, right away. So immediately as he's coming down the mountain, right away. Okay, yep. Yeah, yep. Why, why would he use the word clean instead of, hey, can you take care of me? I think in the New, New Living Translation said, why would you, or can you heal me, or you can heal me, or I will heal you. But it's this word clean, if you're willing. What about, here's another one. What about the statement that's made? Is it a question or is it a statement? Say it again real loud. Yeah, so it's a statement. He didn't say, will you do this? He says, if you want, you can, right? Guys, I think that's something important. Yep. What about you, buddy? Recognizes faith. So what in this passage, and it's fine to do this. This is an application here. What in this passage or in that verse makes you say, man, this guy had faith. What did he do? Okay. Okay, so I think that's the first part. He has this belief. But how do you know he really meant it? There's the next question. Yep. Okay, so that, the word Lord, there's not like he's calling him God. It's more like, it's like, refer, it's like reverence or sir, master. But there's something else I think that you can see that he actually believed. Like he knew Jesus could do it. Yeah, right? Risking a ton. And, yep, in the back. Now before him. Guys, have, I was to ask you, how would you define faith? Okay, there's trust. But remember, James is the one who said, hey, demons believe in God and they shudder. What's that? Allegiance, absolutely. Yep. Believe in something you've never seen. There it is, yeah. Like, take all those. So I have, a, I have a little equation for faith. Belief plus action is faith. 
Like if I believe, like everyone here is believing one thing. Oh my gosh, we're all united as followers of Jesus, almost. We're all united now as followers of Jesus on this one thing. Everyone walked in going, that chair will hold me. How, did, how do you know? How do I know that you actually believed? Because you sat down. And, and I, this might come in a chapel, so if I do it, don't, uh, don't steal my thunder. But, guys, have you ever broken somebody's chair? Isn't that horrible? Three, you beat me. I've only done it twice. I remember being at a camp out and this, whoever, I don't even know who I was with. I remember they offered me a chair. And it, was, it looked tiny. At the time, I was like 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And so I was just kind of a bigger guy. They said, here, here's a chair. And I thought, well, maybe this is one of those fancy ones. Nope. No, I sat down, and I had to suck in it, and then bam, I'm on my back, feet are up in the air, and they're like, we're so sorry, and they helped me up. And no joke, they got me one that looked exactly like that one. <laughs> the exact same kind. And so I said, no, 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 fine, I'll just sit, I'll sit on the floor, I'll sit on the dirt, stone. I don't. and I'm trying to get out of it because I'm afraid that I'm going to have to start paying for these things. And so I said, no, 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 no. And they said, no, no, please sit down, we're so sorry. And so I sat down, but I didn't believe it. And this is how, how you knew, when I, this is how you knew I didn't believe it, because when I sat down, I put my right foot under me. The only problem is all my weight is on this leg, and at some point, it starts to shake, and I'm sweating, and I sweat peeling oranges. It doesn't matter. I just sweat like crazy, and at some point, I'm like, I just can't help. I'll just trust. I'll trust. Bam, I'm on my back. Guys, the fact that she sat down shows faith. The fact that this man knew that Jesus could heal him was the fact that he got to him. Here's the next question I would ask. How does the guy with leprosy who's not allowed to touch anybody, can't be around anybody, how does he get through the crowd to make it to the front to where Jesus is? Yeah. Yeah, what if he finally uses that to his advantage? What if he sees in the back and he's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. That dude can do it. Unclean, unclean, unclean. And maybe he's just using it and he's just scaring the crud out of people. And what if, and then how do you picture Jesus' response? Do you picture him going, no, no, no? He's like, that's my boy. Yeah, come, come on, come on. All of a sudden now, think about it, guys. We've been in the passage for 27 minutes. We're just thinking through questions, asking questions. We're noticing words that are repeated, proximity, where people are in the process. Jesus is on a mountain, then he comes down. Somebody's in the back, comes to the front, kneeling before him, a personal, personal leprosy. All these things came out because you're just simply asking questions and noticing patterns. Does that make sense? Guys, you can do this. This is not beyond you. Anything else in verse 2? Verse 3, here we go. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What stands out to you, anybody? Yep. Immediately. How many of you would circle that word immediately and maybe write in the margin of your Bible, does God still work in the immediate? Because haven't you asked for something and it didn't happen right when you asked for? And then has that, asked, has that not, has that which didn't happen immediately caused you to actually maybe have a hard time believing that prayer does anything? All these things, you start asking questions. Someone over the head. Or a statement. Okay, so we heard him out. Yep. Without hesitation. That word immediately is massive, right? How about over here? I'm trying to get names of people that haven't had it yet. Yep. 
Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Which did he do first? Did he touch him and heal him first or heal him and touch him? It says he touched him and then, huh, uh-oh. Did Jesus just screw up? Guys, he just broke something right there, didn't he? Guys, you notice, you, you see why it's so important to look at not just, hey, this is what it says, go back, look at the ordering of events, because I think there's so much in there when you start going, okay, so why did he do it that first? Why did he touch him first? And not, why not heal him first and touch him? Because the, the, the statement was, if you want to, if you will, you can make me clean. But Jesus touches him first and then he heals him. I will be clean. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so Jesus said that. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, well, he's making a statement. Absolutely, I will. Like, I am willing. Absolutely, be clean. But in, after he touched him. Anybody else? Yeah, in the back. Not afraid to touch him. That's pretty big, right? Unless he just was like this. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but he does. He touches him and then he heals him. He's not afraid to do it. Anything else, observation wise, that stands out to you? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Who had somebody up here there? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So he kind of repeats what it is that he said. If you will. And then he says, I am willing. Hold on, let me get this guy. Yep. Okay. So that's more like, yeah, so you're thinking through, maybe that's the reason that Jesus would have touched him. Sure. Okay. A little bit of interpretation, but still, absolutely, because you're asking the questions, why would he do that? Why would he touch the guy? Yep. Yeah. Oh, maybe, oh. Maybe he's saying it aloud to the crowd. That just, that just rhymed like I'm a rapper. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, okay. Maybe. Let me see what it says, though. Jesus stretched in and touched him, saying, yeah, never said, I've never thought that. Like, what if he touches him and he looks at the crowd? I don't know, dang. What's your name? Man, you're killing me, Allie. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other addition to that sermon. Look out. Dang. Yep. Yeah, if you're willing, I will. And this is where you'd look up that word. I don't think I have it. I didn't write it down in my Bible. Is he sitting there going, is it like, I will do it or I am willing? I don't know. We'd have to look it up. Adam, I'm guessing maybe you have that Bible translation. Maybe it's logos on that iPad, that sweet machine. Just let me know if that's what that word means. So I will, I think it's important. And so, and maybe somebody said to go, Brian, I can't afford Logos. I can't afford. Yeah, but there's this one called blueletterbible.org, I think is what it's called. Guys, you can, you can look up words. You can see what they actually really meant. And it's so important to know what these words mean. Anything else stand out to you from that passage or that verse? Yep. Yeah, so that's the, ver yeah, it's the next verse. Absolutely, verse 4. So you're looking into it going, okay, so what happens after that? Okay, anything else from verse 3? Yep. Okay. Actually becomes clean. 
So from the last time I said, the last time I said it was 427, it's now 433. That's six minutes in one verse. Impressive. Guys, that's all you do. Verse 4, let me read it. Ready? Verse 4, and Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What stands out? Yeah, great question. Be honest, be honest. Who would have a hard time keeping that to yourself? Like you're, you have leprosy and all of a sudden he heals you and it's like, don't tell anybody. Um, what if I run into my mom? <laughs> like what's it? I can't tell you, but I'll be right back, mom. Yeah, why not tell anybody? Guys, I might, I might screw up on that command. I might have disobeyed that one. Yep, there and then there, yep. Yeah, well, maybe, but we want to make sure we say, what does the passage say? I mean, that's possible, but again, we're looking at what is the observation, just the things that it says so far. But yeah, I like the fact that you, would, you, you want to put that into a question for me if you're, if you're writing it down. Does that make sense? Cool. Allie, and then I think you had your hand up, yes? No, you're just stretching. Okay, you're just stretching. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this would be like the priest knew him. There's just a prescribed way that a person who had leprosy, you go show yourself. If Say you had it. Then you go show it. If you think you've been healed or it's gone, you walk up to the priest. They then look, look you over to make sure. And then when they pronounce you as clean, then you're clean. Does that make sense? And then you offer a gift. So it's all prescribed in the book of Leviticus, which everyone's afraid of. Just read the book of Leviticus under the umbrella, God is holy. When you read that, you kind of go, oh, dang. I'm really thankful Jesus came. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Right? Go to the priest. Absolutely. And again, like you go to Leviticus, it goes, hey, when this happens, go to the priest. They'll tell you, no, you got to stay here seven more days, or no, you're good. Now offer the gift, you're gone. It's something that's prescribed by God. So yeah, you sit and go, why the priest? Why not doctor? It's like, well, they didn't have doctors. Of course they had doctors. Dr. Luke, the guy that wrote the book of Luke, he was a doctor. He was a physician. So yes, absolutely. Uh, let's see, back there. Okay, good deal. Yeah, so perfect. And we want to remember, remember we're going to keep looking through, going, well, the observations, well, the observations. When you sit, start and get the interpretation, which you'll get to in just a sec, when you write things out, when you apply it, man, look, write all that stuff down. It could have been this. It could have been this. And the reason we want to be careful is because all of a sudden we go, hey, there's only one reason why. Well, maybe there was more than one reason why. We don't know. There's a truth, but maybe there's a couple reasons why God said this or Jesus said, don't do this or don't do this. Yep. <laughs> right? So everyone's watching. 
It's like, don't tell anyone. Oops. There they are. <laughs> but don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priest. Yep. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good observation. It's like, go show him. I would imagine most of it, the introduction would happen. But yes, he didn't say go talk to him, have a chat, and tell him what happened. He just says, it's almost like just let him see how changed you are, and then you can go on from there. Anything else? You guys are doing great. Yep. Okay. And so what about that makes it stand out to you going, this is, this is something to observe. Public testimony. So what, and then you said there, what is a public, public testimony? So others will notice and word will get out, right? So everyone will get to know about this. It'll be a public testimony because the priest said, you are clean. And isn't it amazing? This is like a little bit too, probably, I don't know if I've ever put this one together. Isn't it amazing that the great high priest who is Jesus tells him to go, to go to the priest. The priest will say, hey, you're clean. The job that Jesus ultimately does, but that's a little bit different. Anybody else in the back? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's he's remaining obedient to the Old Testament, right? So Jesus didn't come to abolish it, he came to fulfill it. Guys, think about it. Thirty nine minutes, all we've done is observation. This is awesome. Meditation. O and M, put them together. M okay, let's go through again. P R O M W. No, everyone says that, but you're wrong. No, worship God, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> little, it's, a, it's a little tricky. Yes, right. You write it out. Here's the thing. I, I've told you personal preference. I think I said it either last night or some other time. Um, I just don't do well reading my Bible on my phone. I just don't. There's too many distractions, too many notifications. Even if you turn it off, you ever have that thought, like you turn off do not disturb or airplane mode, and then as you're in there reading, all of a sudden you go, oh, I forgot to check. Am I going to be like that? And you check it, then all of a sudden I need Wi-Fi, and then you're back into it. I just prefer pick up the book. Now, that's my preference. And so when I write, I pick up a book, like I pick up a journal. And guys, I've been doing this since, like I said, 19. And, so, and I'm not nostalgic. I'm not that guy that like keeps everything. Guys, I threw away my high school yearbooks one day. All of them, all four of them. Not all of them made it sound like all 17 of them. No, I only, it took four years, okay? I got through in four years. I didn't, but I never looked at them. So in my mind, I'm like, this just takes up space. And I just checked them. I even talked to my wife. And so when she got home and I told her, she wasn't all that happy about that. She's like, why did you throw them away? It's like, I don't look at them. I don't read at them. I don't need to hear someone say, hey, keep in touch. Don't ever change. I'm like, never change. You never talk to me. So you must not like me. So it's like, I don't believe this. So I just chucked it. But my journals, no, I keep all of them. And ultimately, here's one of the reasons, not the only reason, here's one of the reasons. I'm praying that one day my boys will be bored enough and say I'm not here and there's a legacy that they can read. This is dad's journey. Because I don't journal in a way that, oh, someone will read it, like the world will read it. I wanna make sure they know I'm perfect. Guys, I'm pretty blunt with God in my journals. 
Like if you were to pick, don't like try to find my journal when I say this, but if you were to pick up my journal and just start perusing, like, dang, this guy struggles with this. Look at how God's working this. Or man, he's really struggling. Maybe he's insecure in this. And yeah, I write all that stuff out. This is me and God. But I want my boys to know, hey, dad still struggles through things. And he's figuring things out. And hopefully they'll see from the time I was 19 to now that I'm at 49 and say that God takes me home after Hume. Like I crashed because God says, you were done. This is all I want you to come enjoy treasures and pleasures forevermore. Yes. But here's the thing. I'm hoping that they'll go, we saw change. Like you see it here. But man, 30 years later, this is what God did. And I'm hoping that it's an encouragement to them. The other reason I write is because I remember things when I write. Guys, do you realize that studies show that you actually remember things more when you write by hand than when you type things out? Like you can remember it. So to write is important. How many of you are creative writers? You love creative writing. What do you have? This is your time. Question for you. Could you create some story or poem or song or what? Or even for those that love to paint, love art, could you draw or paint something on this passage? Oh my gosh, yes. Don't you think so? Like if I said, hey, could you, could you write me a three-paragraph story from the perspective of the person in the front row who was next to get healed and this guy cut in line? Could you write a story about that dude? Could you write a story from the perspective of a religious leader who's in the crowd listening to what Jesus is saying and watching what it is that he did? Knowing the context, the religious leaders didn't really like Jesus. Could you write a story or a poem or a song about that? Yep. How, could, how about this, the leprous man? Oh, that's the one. That's gold right there, right? Could you write from the perspective of Jesus? Oh, Here's the thing, I don't think there's anything wrong if you know Jesus enough to go, gosh, okay, this is what I know about Jesus. How, would, how do I think he would have responded? No, I'm not gonna sit there and go, this is gospel truth, because it doesn't say it. But if I sit there, if I'm Jesus and he loves faith, he loves these acts of faith, what I know about Jesus, he's the one who created joy and humor and laughter and he's the one who heals and does miraculous things, I could picture him pretty proud of a man who would come walking up to him in the midst of everybody and go, I can write a story about that from the perspective of Jesus, right? That's true. Who's seen The Chosen? Guys, isn't that what they're doing? And I look at it, guys, I'm not going to lie, it's good stuff. Like I'm watching it going, I don't want to know that Jesus. That dude makes fun of his disciples. Like, he trash, talks his, he trash talks his guys. He's dancing at the wedding. You're like, oh, it doesn't say he, was, he didn't dance. Mm-mm. Really? Like, he was the ultimate killjoy that showed up to the one that, think about it, the one who created the concept of marriage showed up and didn't celebrate with them, just had a Bible study in the book of Habakkuk. It's in there. Don't, <laughs> it's in the Old Testament, I promise. Guys, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Just make sure that you don't, you don't have a Messiah complex. You're not a Jesus complex. But friends, for those that love creative writing, write it. Write a story. How many don't like creative writing? You don't like writing stories. It's, <laughs> thankfully, there's no judgment over here. But, okay, guys, I do a little bit. I don't do a ton of writing, of creative writing in my journal. It's more just me and Jesus kind of praying through things. For those that say, I don't like creative writing, that is not my jam. Here's the thing. Here's what you write. 
as you're going through, if something pops out of the page more than anything else, okay, and I know this is going to be subjective. It's not like everyone gets the exact same thing. For some, you're going to say, hey, verse 2 really stood out to me more than all the rest. Somebody say, man, verse 4 really stood out to me more than all the rest. Then here's what you do. You write out verse 2 word for word in your journal, and then underneath that, just write out why you wrote it. That's it. Does that make sense? Write out the verse word for word. Why would I do that? Because the more you write something, the more you remember something, and the goal is to get the word of God into you. So to write it, and then you say, okay, my, it's going into my mind. That's what I want. Write out verse or word for word the verse. Write underneath it. Just write out why you wrote it. Why was it so important? Because here's the crazy part about the word of God. What stood out to you this moment, the next time you jump into that same passage, it might be something completely different. Now, how could that be? Guys, I'm convinced that when something pops off the page, that's the Holy Spirit going, pay attention, this is for you. And, what's, what, and if he's pointed to me, I don't just sit there and go, did you all get that? No, you're not hearing the Holy Spirit. Because what if he's got something else for you? Like, I need you to pay attention to this part. What if in my walk with, with Jesus, I have not had to worry for a while about coming before Jesus and making this statement of faith? Like, I don't have to worry about that. I know that. But for others, it's like, I don't... Can I just talk to God like that? Can I, can I just say it? And so maybe he's taking different, maybe he's actually meeting you on your journey to bring you to a place of health rather than all of us thinking, oh, we've got to keep up with me. Now we've got to keep up with Jesus. Does that make sense? Here's the thing about writing it out and get creative. When you, know the, when you get into the story of it, oh, it comes alive. It comes alive. Adam, I'm so glad you said about the chosen. Guys, when I watch that, I go, oh, it could have been that. When they're taking this passage and connecting it to that event, I'm like, oh, that fits. I never would have thought that. But all they're doing is telling you a story. So what if it looked like this? What if the background of this is this? Like, why would this guy come running from the back and come flying up to Jesus, breaking, quote, unquote, protocol? Well, what if it was like this? What if... He'd only had this for a few years. And what if before he had it, he was married and he had a little boy? And what if he had the same routine every day that he'd finish working out in the field and he's in the barn and he's cleaning up and all of a sudden his little three-year-old comes running around like a drunk monkey, comes running up to dad and then dad every day picks him up, throws him up, throws him up in the air and they just play and then they go inside and they have dinner. What if that's the normal routine after day after day after day after day except for one day when all of a sudden he sees this sore in his hand and more than he thought and didn't really notice him, maybe there's blood in the water because he washed his hands and the scabs opened up and he looks and he has an idea what it is. Three-year-old comes running around the corner run into daddy goes stop and this time mom was behind him and the little boy doesn't get he's confused starts up and goes stop and so what if she grabs onto him what if she grabs onto the little boy because he's just wanting to get to dad he's like no 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 and he has to go show him to the self to the priest and the priest says you have leprosy you need to separate and what if it's been four years and what if, he's, what if the little boy's seven now? And what if dad's had to keep a distance and watch him swing in a playground by himself and he just wants to be back with his family? And then all of a sudden, what if he's standing on this side? Like he's in the back and he's watching because in the end of Matthew chapter four, Jesus is healing everybody. You could go back to the passage. How did he know that Jesus could heal? Because the whole end of chapter four is Jesus just healing everybody, driving demons out, paralyzed people are walking, going home. What if he's in the back going, that could be me? 
What if he started to go for it, and then Jesus went up further? He's like, I missed my shot. And then he listens, and man, this guy preaches like someone I've never, he teaches as one who has authority like nobody else. And then when he started coming down, that's it. This is my moment. Unclean, unclean, back out. I'm on my way. Boom. Right before Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. How did he know it? Because I've seen you do it. If you want to, you can, because I've watched it. And what if he's just sitting there? Guys, I think we've got to remember the reason you go before somebody on your knees, you break through the crowd, and I think the connection is desperate. Desperation. Desperation will move you to do anything, but it's desperation connected to hope. Like, what if? Now, was this guy going to die that day if Jesus didn't heal him? Probably not. I mean, he ran to him, didn't run. He walked up to him, he's kneeling, he's speaking. Probably wasn't going to die. So did he really need to be healed that day? No. Not, not needed to be healed. Wanted, yes, but not needed. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus touched him first before he healed him because Jesus knew he needed to be touched. Because for how long had he not been touched? And what did that feel like for the first touch that you felt in however long it's been? If it's been four years, what did it feel like to be touched by the hand of God? Doesn't that open up four verses to you a little bit? And all of a sudden you jump into the story, you place yourself into it. What would I have done if? How would I be feeling if? Guys, all of a sudden it becomes a, when it becomes a story, an account of, an, of a historical event, you sit and go, man, I can relate with this. Then maybe for some of you, you're wondering, why didn't God do this when I asked? Maybe it's because he did something first that was more necessary. And he'll take care of the thing after that. Guys, when all of a sudden you slow down, you get into the passage, it's been 51 minutes in four verses. Guys, you see all of a sudden you'll actually give the time to Jesus and he'll just start to stretch it out. You start asking questions, more questions lead to more questions. You sit and go, will we ever have answers? Absolutely you'll have answers. But maybe he's going to answer things that you didn't even ask because he's going to take you in directions you never thought he were supposed to go. Does that make sense? P is what? R-O-M-W-A Apply. You guys tell me, what is one application? What is one thing that you can apply to your own life from the four verses and everything that we just looked at? One application. How do you apply something written 2,000 years ago, give or take, to your life today? It's not, what does this mean to me, right? We already know the meaning. You're saying, how do I apply this? Yep. That's beautiful, right? Do whatever you can to get to God. Yep. Oh, that's good. Have the same, try, want to have the same compassion that Jesus did who was willing to touch the unclean. Isn't that beautiful? Here's the other one. Isn't it encouraging? What's your name? Grace. Oh, of course it is. Okay, so Grace. This fits with your name, right? Isn't it beautiful? To, I love that name. Are you kidding me? Isn't it beautiful to know that Jesus is willing to get into the mess? Isn't that beautiful? Like he'll meet you in your mess. He doesn't say clean up first. I'll meet you in your mess. Yep. Absolutely. Right? So he didn't sit and go, oh, back off. 
It's like, I'll do whatever it takes to get to God. And God's like, hmm, yeah. And what's the ver- what's, when you go through the scriptures, there's this part where draw near to God. And the response is what? And he'll draw near to you. It's like, oh, he's not just going to sit there and go, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's not like what we do to our kids when they're learning to swim. It's like, come on, just get to this. And then you just keep backing up. They're like, I, I hate you. Right? It's like, eh, eh, <laughs> come on, come on. And then when you're done, I'm, I'm just trying to train you. Come on. Come. God's not like, come on, come on. No, 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 no. When you connect it to what you see in the scriptures, even you get to Luke chapter 15, when the, when the younger son came to his senses, it says the father saw him from a distance and ran to him. Man, you connect all these things, you're like, wow. Whatever it takes to get to God. Also realize Jesus did whatever it took to get to us. Oh, that'll preach. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Okay, so maybe it just makes you stop and go, man, I really need to appreciate the things I have in life because things could change quickly. Does, anybody, does someone on the side of In the back. Yeah, have the kind of faith, but man, faith will be seen, right? Here's the thing. Here's a question I'd write in my journal if I were you. Can people tell I'm a Christian if I never open my mouth? It doesn't mean you never open your mouth, though. Has anyone ever heard this statement? Uh, Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Anybody ever heard that? That became so popular. It's like back in my day, it's like when, especially when I was doing youth ministry, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. And what people use that for is an excuse not to actually have to say anything about the gospel. My life is the gospel. So in my mind, when I hear that statement, it's kind of like if I give someone a sandwich, all of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, I realize that I'm a sinner. I've rebelled, I've rebelled against a holy God. And I know I can't save myself. Why? Because I got a meatloaf sandwich. And I know that I, if, I surrender, if I confess Jesus as Lord, because there's ketchup on it. And then it's like, for some reason, if I do enough good things, then people will know the message of the gospel. It doesn't say that. But shouldn't people be able to see your faith? Absolutely. In the back. Yeah, yeah, but I think, it, yeah, oh, nailed, nailed it, that's a great point. I also think it's important as you, as you think through that, he didn't just stand in the back and go, didn't say anything, to, I hope he doesn't. Will you, will you do it? It's almost like I'm turning from my old life, I'm going to Jesus, which sounds a lot like repentance, and when I do that, he's like, come here, I will be clean, of course, absolutely. Anybody else? P? R O M W A S Share. Share it. 
Now, guys, I'm not saying every single day you have a time alone with the Lord. You go through prom was. If all of a sudden you don't feel like you're supposed to share with him, it's fine. But at least ask. God, does anybody want me to share this with Then it's like, oh, crud. I better make sure I know what I'm talking about. I'm glad I wrote that down so I know what I'm talking about. And when you share it, here's another thing. If you share it, you need to know what you're writing. You need to have an understanding so you've worked through it again. And here's why I say share is so important. How many of you ever gotten that phone call? Did I say this in chapel already? Um, phone call or message or text at, or even a visit at the exact time that you needed it. Anybody ever had that happen to you? And isn't it amazing how you sit and go, coincidence is awesome. And God's sitting in heaven going, are you kidding me? You're giving credit to something that I don't even believe in? Guys, in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 7 around verse 6, it says, then God who comforts the downcast comforted me by the what? Coming of Titus, by the coming of my friend. Guys, when your friend has encouraged you in that moment, you need to remember. The scriptures say, hey, that wasn't a random thing that your friend was just nice. No, the holy God of the universe stepped in to encourage you and used your friend. So what if, what if you are the answer to somebody's prayer because you're willing to say, God, I'll share it with whoever you want, and someone pops in your head, and what if it's just this? I would say steer clear of saying things like this. God told me to tell you. Because you better make sure that it was God. In the Old Testament, if a prophet spoke that it wasn't something that came from God, that, pro- that prophet was a false prophet, and that prophet would be stoned to death. Very rarely have I ever said, God wanted me to tell you. It's got to be so clear. I usually say something like this. Hey, I just finished my time with the Lord, and you popped in my head. I asked God, if you want to share this with me, I will. You came to my mind. I hope this is helpful, and that's it. And I leave it. That's it. And it's not, I don't send them like the whole long, I don't take pictures of my journal, read the whole thing. Just a quick statement or just the verse. And I share it. Guys, it is absolutely mind-blowing how often people say, I needed to hear that right now. Like at this moment, you just kind of sit there and go, dang, I'm good. No, I'm not joking. You don't do that. It's like, dang, God. Like, maybe this whole thing with God and God will speak personally and wants to move you and direct you and what he wants you to do, maybe it's real. And now take that maybe off. It's real. So what if you get to be the answer to somebody's prayer who's been praying for the last two years and you get to be that person that God uses to comfort the downcast in their lowest? Guys, that's awesome. So last time, and then you guys are out of here. P-R-O-M-W. A-S. Awesome. Guys, who will try it at least one time this week before you go home? Who will try it? Awesome. Try it. And here's the thing. If something pops out and all these things like, oh my gosh, this is what I learned. Go to your youth pastor or your youth leader and tell them. And they will wet themselves. It's like, what? (laughs) When you say the phrase, I was spending time with God in the Bible, they're going to go, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And then tell them. They're going to be so encouraged, guys. Love you more than you know. We'll see you in chapel.